Oh, snap, snap, snap. The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Well, hello, Raw Feeders. I'm Dee Dee Mercer Moffat, the CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company. We are Pets Health is our business, and we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. Well, it is hump day, and we're getting you over the hump with Dr. Judy Jasek. Good morning, Dr. Jasek. Good morning. Happy hump day, everybody. Happy, happy, happy hump day. Are we happy? Some days, you know, I'm happier than others. Some days I feel like we're making progress. Some days I feel like we've taken two steps back. But uh, but we get but we get emails from people who are listening. And we thank you, Karen, uh, for a great email that you sent us uh, from out uh, down under, uh, out that way. Um, do we have awakened pet parents out there? We need to do a... a- yeah, podcast called Awakenings, just like the movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's happening slowly. And it it I think what gets really frustrating and quite honestly exhausting is it just feel like I'm bucking the system. I mean, I felt that way for a long time because I start to see things. I start to make these associations between things like vaccines and <clears throat> And cancer, you know, I, I connect the dot. I mean, I look at, you know, okay, when did the pet get sick? When, what's their vaccine history? When was their last round of vaccines? And almost every time I can associate the onset of some illness, cancer, autoimmune disease, itchy skin, you know, whatever the chronic illness is with a set of vaccines. And I think it's, they, they definitely, there's just no doubt in my mind that, they create this tipping point where, you know, the body that health is natural health and homeostasis in the body is the natural state. And I think these vaccines are so disruptive to normal body function, normal immune system function. And then there's just that final round, you know, they might tolerate them for a while, like when they're younger, but then if you give them year after year after year, and especially if they're not on good diets, then there's a point where the body just can't keep things balanced anymore. And then they, the immune system doesn't eliminate some mutated cells and, and we get cancer. And I think, I think some of these disruptions are, are long-term. I mean, I think sometimes we can't, that's why it's so hard to heal some cases is because we just can't get around the, the disruption of the vaccines. And but I think the thing that we're really, you know, up against is the veterinary profession. I feel like it's almost like we just got to start a new, a new profession, like something else. Cause what I do isn't what those other vets do, you know, and I see so clearly the damage being done by the industry. You know, I, I had heard, I'd heard this before, but I was listening, saw a little video clip over the weekend where it was a MD, a human doctor saying that, um, that medical um, or doctors, doctors, the medical system, I guess would be the way to say it, is the third leading large, uh, l- large uh, leading cause of death in people. 
And I've heard this before, and this is medical mistakes, inappropriate treatments, misdiagnoses, uh, um, medication side effects, and all that. And I thought to myself, you know, I bet it's the first leading cause of death in pets, because not only do we have these vaccines and these pharmaceuticals that cause so much damage, but then we've got the pet food industry on top of that. It's all, it's all the same industry anyway. It's all these big corporations. So you take a pet that's getting all these vaccines and pharmaceuticals and these poor kibble diets, especially the prescription diets, they, they don't stand a chance of being healthy. They're, they're destined to get some sort of chronic disease. And it's really sad. And, you know, people want to believe they're veterinarians. They want to believe that they're being told the truth, um, but they're being told things that are harming their pets. Well, there, and we're going to talk about the information you just sent out to help um, educate our pet parents on the laws and and everything that's going on in regards to rabies. But I wanted to to just point out something that that you've just stated. Uh, this was an article that that was in Dogs Naturally, and it says five dangerous dog vaccine ingredients. Okay, one aluminum, two thimerosal. Uh, three contaminants, four animal protein. Number five, I found specifically uh, interesting uh, in its money. <laughs> and uh, yep. And they say the final vaccine ingredient to be discussed isn't injected into dogs, but the concept of vaccination itself. In 2005, the global vaccine market, now this is 2005, was $6 billion. In 2012, it is 34 billion. So it's not surprising that more vaccines are manufactured for dogs and media hype frightens pet owners into using them. And the one that they cited that they really scare pet parents with is the canine influenza vaccine. Okay. So in 2011, the media, as they do, heavily covered canine influenza and the need for a vaccination. And what they used was Dr. Cindy Crawford's uh, information to push this. Well, who's Dr. Cindy Crawford? Well, she's a veterinarian at the University of Florida who led the research team that first identified the canine influenza virus in 2004. But here's what's interesting. Crawford, along with colleagues at the university, at UF, Cornell University, and the U.S. Centers for Disease Control, the CDC, they share intellectual rights to the canine influenza virus. So Merrick licensed the mm. right to use the virus to make a vaccine. However, Crawford man maintains that she and others do not receive compensation from the vaccine sales. Yeah, yeah, and I don't believe that for a second that there's no uh, no no compensation. It's hidden in some other way, but you know, might not be writing her a check, but there's there's some payoff there. Well, <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe she does art. Maybe she paints and sells her art to big ticket items, you know? We've heard that in the news where you know, Hunter Biden has done that. He just sells his art, right? Yeah, yeah, right, right. There's there's always a way to move the move the money around and pay off people that you want to pay off. And I, I gotta tell you though, it's just it's it's disgusting to me 
what people will do for money. You know, these are veterinarians are people that went into the profession, I believe fundamentally, because they really, really wanted to help pets and help pets be healthier and, and, you know, enjoy seeing them and, and, you know, getting puppies off to a good start in life and all that. And then they'll just roll over for the almighty dollar. Like, Mm-hmm. I really don't get it. I'd go work at, well, I wouldn't go to Starbucks, but maybe some other coffee shop. <laughs> I'd go work there either. But I'd do something else before I would compromise what I believe in. There's no amount of money in the world that where I would do something that I know is harmful to my patients. And I don't know how, I really don't know how these veterinarians can can justify this and and sleep at night. I really don't. Well, in this article, it says profits are what vaccine critics believe is at the root of the profession's resistance to update its protocols, right? Um, Because without the lure of vaccines, clients are less inclined to make yearly veterinary visits. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. I mean, I... I have sat in business or like practice management lectures, you know, the big conferences and they always have um, some practice management lectures and sat in there. And that is taught to veterinarians that you need to do something, you know, to keep your income up. You have to do something to get people in every year. Well, what's the best way to do that? People are already indoctrinated into this idea of vaccines keep your pet healthy. So then you scare them into needing, you know, something every year. And, and, you know, I found it really interesting, you know, there's, there's shifts because you know, clients will tell me what they're going into the vet for, what they're getting their pets, you know, treated with. And, you know, the, the vaccine industry, they got a lot of pressures. First rabies went from one year to three years. Everything always used to be given every year. Like when I started practicing, like that was the recommendation. Every pet pest just come in for their annual vaccines. Well, then they started getting a little pressure. Like, well, do they really need all these every year? And so then, then there came a uh, recommendation. Okay. Well, rabies could be given every three years. And then the core vaccine, like the parvo distemper, um, hepatitis combination vaccine, then the recommendation came out that that was was to be given every three years. Though I still see a lot of clinics do it. Like they put on their reminders because I see the records of the patients that I see. We get all the records from other clinics they've been to. And oftentimes these vaccines are recommended every year, even though there's absolutely no, no medical reason to be doing it. But then, so so they came out with these recommendations for every three years but how are they going to get people in now every year? Well, then they push the Bordetella and they push the, the lepto. So they'll tell people, you know, okay, well, they don't need to come in. They only need to come in every three years for some of these vaccines, but now we need the lepto and the Bordetella and the flu and the Lyme. And the, I mean, I can't believe how many vaccines that, that they've come out with. There's a, you know, the rattlesnake vaccine, which I think is a total joke. So they come out with other vaccines yeah, with the purpose, the intent. It's not about what's best for the pets. The decision is made based on how do we get people in every year so that, you know, we can make money off of them. And then when they're in there, they can sell the heartworm and the flea and tick and, you know, who knows what else. Um, I mean, I, I don't focus on any of that stuff. And because I, you know, have a different sort of practice philosophy and we do things holistically and do all these vaccines. Um, you know, I, I'm 
I'm busier than ever just because, you know, a lot of people are looking for something new and it, you know, the, the, the biz from a business model standpoint, what I do is, you know, is very profitable. It's just, it's just a different way of looking at it. And then you, you have people coming in because you are doing something differently. And once people kind of understand and can connect the dots between the vaccines and the chronic illness, you know, it's, it's a wake up call for them. And then they want to know, well, what else can I do to keep my pet healthy if I'm not doing all these vaccines and, and people are willing to learn, but um, yeah, the, the whole vaccine thing in the veterinary profession is it's, it's absolutely profit driven. I mean, there's just, I mean, vets have to see that, you know, if they open their eyes at all, that, that patients are getting sick um, and that they just can't figure out, well, what do I do? How do I make a living? How do I, you know, feed my family if, if I change my business model? Well, they got to be a little brave and figure it out. When I quit vaccinating as, as much, you know, earlier on in my career, I took a big financial hit because <laughs> I'm not a very good business person. I didn't really <laughs> figure stuff out. <laughs> I didn't think about the money. I just thought about, wow, I think these are not good for our pets. I need to back off. And, you know, when you go from a one-year protocol to a three-year protocol, you're cutting your income substantially. And that was a really big wake-up call, like, holy smokes. Um, so I took a little hit for a while, but it didn't matter. I mean, I wouldn't have done anything differently. You know, what was I going to do? Keep vaccinating, even knowing it's wrong, even knowing that I'm poisoning my patients. Like, no, I took the financial hit and eventually figured it out and things came full circle and people came into me because I wasn't vaccinating that, you know, that, that took a while, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely a business model. Well, if you look at uh, the veterinary immunologist, Dr. Schultz, Ronald mm -hmm. Schultz, you know, he spent his career as a veterinary immunologist at the forefront of vaccine research. And what he found out was this, the minimum duration of immunity for common vaccines is far longer than one year, far longer than three years. So um, when you look at distemper, parvo, adenovirus, and the rabies, right, Many of these, uh, distemper has 15 years by serology, okay, seven years by challenge. Now, challenge means the research exposed the animal to the disease, and serology means they measured blood antibody levels. Mm -hmm. So 15 years for distemper on serology, seven years for parvo on challenge and serology, adenovirus, seven years by challenge, nine years by serology, the rabies, three years by challenge, seven years by serology. So when we're doing these three-year uh, vaccinations, it's, it's, it's overloading the body. No wonder we see these dogs that uh, people do well, obviously, when they get off a kibble and they come over to a raw diet. But I have customers that cannot stop vaccinating and cannot uh, get a dog that doesn't itch, right? So I, I was talking with somebody yesterday and she has a German Shepherd and I've known her for a while, right? And in the beginning, uh, we were working on all of these, you know, different proteins and this and that. And really what it came down to was she she keeps vaccinating, the dog keeps itching, stays on cytopoint, 
And there's nothing really we can do uh, to overcome that. You know, yes, the dog's getting good nutrition, but there's not anything else we can do for this dog. If if you're going to keep putting those in your dog, you will have to deal more than likely with something, whether that is an itchy dog, whether that is a dog that has cancer, whether that is a dog that, you know, has some neurological problems. At some point, the body says, I can't take any more of these toxins. Mm -hmm. No matter what you do, I don't care how many um, of the rabies vaccinosis, you know, anti, you know, vaccinosis you put in your dog, no matter how many times you detox, I don't know that you can detox from all of the aluminum, the, the marasil or however you say it. You know, it it's crazy what is in there. And I would challenge our pet parents to really ask, can I see the ingredients in this vaccine that you're recommending for my dog? And then go, go buy every one of those ingredients and ask your vet, what will this do to my dog? And if they tell you that it will not harm your dog, that is just not correct. There are 65 different ways that have been identified that vaccines cause problems in your dog. Now, I mean, if they identified two, I'd probably listen. <laughs> but yeah. if they've identified over 65, come on, guys. This is, yeah. why, why are we doing it? And, right. and 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 that's that's really the question, Dr. Jasek. How did all of the vaccine schedules get so long? The how did that happen? What happened between the eighties? I guess it's exactly what we said that they got immunity, and so the vaccine schedule got longer and longer and longer. And and uh, it would be curious to see the explosion of disease in dogs from the time that the vaccine manufacturers got total immunity for liability. Right, right. No, and I can tell you, because I started practicing in the 80s. So I graduated vet school in 88. And when I first started practicing, we, we hardly saw cancer. I mean, it was rare, like something like a mast cell tumor, which like is like so common now, it's just ridiculous. Hardly ever, we didn't, we were not treating cancer. Um, and you know, dogs, yes, were vaccinated, but this was also, you know, a rural area. The dogs were outside, they were exercising more, they were um, you know, probably eating, you know, maybe some kibble, but then you know, they're out on the farm or the ranch, they're eating lots of meat scraps too. You know, farm dogs, you know, had to earn their keep, you know, in a rural area, a lot of them. Um, pets are, are a little bit more dispensable because they have to work. Everybody on the farm needs to work and earn their keep. And um, so, but they'd give them, you know, meat scraps and, and things like that. We were not seeing the cancer, you know? And, and so I've, I've thought about that. Like, so what's changed? I mean, there's definitely more vaccines, but even back then, you know, pets were still being vaccinated for, parvo and distemper and and of course rabies you know we've been vaccinating for rabies for a lot of years but 
I think the scariest thing to me is what's changed in the vaccines. What are they, what are they putting in the vaccines? And this is what's starting to really make me nervous for all of our pets. Now they come out with an mRNA rabies. I'm seeing all these ads now, new and improved vaccines, you know, more effective, more, you know, more safe and, and all that. So what are they putting in these vaccines? And they're not testing them. They are testing them in the pet population. I mean, they're testing them before they push these things out. They're just pushing them out to, to see, you know, see what happens or just to make money. Honestly, I don't think these pharmaceutical companies even care how much, how many pets they kill, you know, as long as they can keep, they make so much money selling these products that even if it ends up, you know, killing a bunch of pets. And if they make the pets sick, well, that's even better for them because they're also the ones selling the drugs. You know, these drugs like the Apoquil and the Cytopoint that are used for itchy skin, it is so hard to get dogs off of those drugs. I think those drugs, and I've actually talked to some pet parents that have kind of realized this too, especially that Apoquil, because the reason those medications work and stop the dog from itching is because they're suppressing the immune system. So you take an immune system that's messed up because of the vaccines. It doesn't really know what's friend or foe, just everything is irritating to it, or the pet's trying to detox through the skin. And then you just suppress that whole reaction. Well, those toxins are still staying in the body. And then, so you, then you take the pets off of those drugs and the immune system, like you just, it's like, it's like putting pressure on a spring and you, and you take that pressure off and you get these huge rebound effects. And it's really hard for people to work through those because they're awful. The dogs, you take, try to get them off Apoquil and then they just itch more than ever um, because the immune system is so dysregulated. And I've worked through it with some pets, but it's hard and it takes months and people got to put up with their dogs itching and keeping them up at night itching. And, and like we were saying, some, sometimes we can't fix them. Sometimes it's, it's chronic. You know, I try to get the pets as comfortable as we can without, <clears throat> without the medications, but you know, once they go on these, these medications and it's, it's really, really hard. It just, it's almost impossible. I think to get some of these pets hundred percent. Well, and I think what we have to do is we have to help shift the mindset, right? We have to sh- shift the parents' mindsets and I was reading uh, in Vital Animal from Dr. William Faulkner. And you know, Dr. Faulkner, he's over in India and, you know, he just says it like it is, right? Nobody's coming after him. So he said uh, in this, he, he wrote, this post is prompted by a desperate reader of my website. And here's what the desperate reader wrote. Can anyone recommend a holistic vet in Northwestern Iowa who would work with owners regarding vaccinating two senior dogs who have epilepsy? State won't waive rabies medical exemption in order to get them relicensed. We're willing to get them vaccinated, but looking for a vet who could administer smaller dosage or a holistic treatment after vaccine. We're desperate. And he said, my head reeled. When I read the source of her desperation, instead of desperately wanting to keep her aging seniors, both of which who are epileptic, healthy and seizure free, she desperately wanted to safely vaccinate them to meet her state licensing requirement. 
apparently she missed some of my key understandings around this hot topic. And he said, uh, there's four different things, you know, the duration of immunity to viruses, which I just stated were much longer than, than people think. He said, vaccines are labeled only for use in healthy dogs, which you talk about all the time. You're like, look, if your dog's itching, that's not a healthy dog. Okay. And she, and he said, vaccinating sick animals is therefore malpractice. Mm -hmm. And her seniors have been damaged to the point of dying prematurely or, or seniors, not her seniors, but senior dogs have been damaged to the point of dying prematurely by getting a seemingly needed booster vaccine. And so he's like, and, and we feel the same way sometimes. We're like, we're banging our heads against the wall saying, you guys, you know that your dogs have issues. M- many times people think it is allergies to food, right? People say that to me all the time. My dog's allergic to this and they're on kibble. You don't know what your dog's allergic to if it's on kibble. I promise you that. And I don't even know if it's an allergy. It's some sort of reaction for certain, whether it is the high carbs or the synthetics or the preservatives or the rancid oils. Who knows? Right? Mm-hmm. Who would know? Um, but yeah, it's 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 just we have to help pet parents snap out of it and see the actual cause of what is happening with their dogs. The next step is to help them get over, Dr. Jasek, the I have to, I -hmm. have no choice. And you sent out an email uh, to your email list. I'm going to send it out to my email list. But talk to us a little bit about what this email was about that you sent out. So the, the idea behind the email was to give people some ammunition, so to speak, when they go into the veterinarian. And this was specifically angled towards medical care. I mean, the local ordinances, city, county, that's, you know, that takes a little different approach. This this was specifically for medical care. When you walk in to the veterinarian and they say, and they tell you, well, we won't see your pet unless you update um, the shots. And usually this is the rabies. Um, that's the most common one that's mandated. It's really the only one they can kind of get away with, I think, mandating in veterinary clinics. I mean, a, a business, you know, business can do whatever they want. I mean, a business has the right to refuse service to anybody they want. So, you know, you, you may just have to walk away. But before you walk away, I would suggest pushing back a little bit because nothing will change if you, you just you keep, you keep complying. I mean, you know, uh, Robert F. Kennedy has has said, you know, you you can't comply your way out of tyranny. You you have to do something. So the idea was to give people um, some some resources about what they can say to their veterinarians that are requiring these vaccines because vet, veterinarians have absolutely no jurisdiction to enforce vaccinations, require them. And in fact, my you know point in the email that I sent out, I put um, part of the veterinary practice code from Colorado where it actually says regarding vaccines that veterinarians are supposed to give informed consent. 
that's the practice act. So if a veterinarian is not sitting down with you and saying, going over the pros and cons, what's in the vaccines, all the ingredients in the vaccines, what are the potential side effects of all of these ingredients in the vaccines? What are the risk factors for your pet? What is the risk of of, um, actually being exposed to the disease? And does that warrant risking the the vaccine, is there vaccine alternatives? What about tighter testing? What about measuring antibodies? And what about the fact that the label clearly states in all vaccines, they should only be given to healthy animals? I I can guarantee you that conversation is, I, I I would say probably never happening in most vet clinics. I mean, it's just, you know, probably less than 1% of the time does that conversation happen? Because the the recommendations are one size fits all. They're not tailoring anything to your pet. It's we want to get all of our pets in our practice in the door every year. So we're going to recommend Lepto and Bordetella and whatever else. And then the others might be every three years. But if a veterinarian is requiring vaccines for service, um, I mean, that's that's negligence in my I, I'd, I'd go so far as saying that's malpractice because they're 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 refusing care to a sick pet and they're wanting to do a, a, a service, a procedure that's contraindicated if the pet is sick or injured. So, you know, how how does that make any sense? So I think people go into clinics like this. You need to make them aware, ask them if they know what they're practice act in their state says, and I don't know what it is in all the other states. Now, what I published was from Colorado. So you'd look it up in your state and see what it says if you're not in Colorado and see what, you know, and take that information into your veterinarian and say, do you know, do you even know? I bet most of them don't even know. I didn't really know what exactly it said till I looked it up. Because this is an area of interest for me, but ask them, did they know that by requiring vaccines, you could be in violation of your practice act? You know, they're so afraid of like violating some law by not requiring rabies. And that is there. They have no jurisdiction to do that. And there aren't even true laws around rabies either in terms of you cannot go to jail. They're not going to arrest you if you don't get your pet vaccinated. If your dog bit somebody, didn't have a current rabies, there there might be a quarantine. Um, Usually that's a home quarantine just to make sure that, you know, your dog does not show any symptoms of rabies. Um, Or you you might have to pay a little fine and they would probably require you to get the shot. But, you know, nothing more than that is going to happen. And so what are you willing to risk? Are you willing to risk that happening, which is extremely rare in my experience, even here? I mean, I live in the Denver area. You know, there's so many dogs here and it's extremely rare that I hear of anybody getting challenged on, you know, whether or not their dog has a current rabies and, you know, but like by animal control, usually that's a, that's a bite situation. Um, so, so are you willing to risk that? Or are you willing to risk, you know, life-threatening illness for your pets um, in getting the vaccines. I mean, you know, I think you have to pick your battles and, and maybe you you need to go to your local authorities and say, look, these vaccines are damaging my, you know, I, I don't want to give my dog these shots, you know, will you accept alternatives? Will you accept a, a tighter test in lieu 
of vaccines and, and start to ask the questions and start to push back. And yeah, it's not easy and it's uncomfortable and it's just easier to go with the flow and not be a rabble rouser. But, you know, at, at what cost? I mean, you're literally risking your pet's lives by not pushing back against this. It's almost like we need our own form that says you are signing off that this is the healthiest thing for my pet and that my pet will not um, have any adverse reactions to this vaccine that you are highly recommending. You know what I mean? And I, I think that some some clinics would just say, well, you can't come in here anymore. Some groomers would say, you can't come in here anymore. Some trainers would say, I'm not going to train your dog. And I would say that's fine. Yeah, you know? take your vote with your dollars. You know, this is a profit-driven industry and they're not going to change how they do things because it's in the best interest of the pets then vote with your dollars, take your money elsewhere. If enough people do that, it will put a dent in. And I can guarantee you if, if more clinics, the clinics that aren't requiring vaccines start to get, you know, busier and people start to catch on to this and start to want those services, they, they may change if for no other reason than, you know, well, people are leaving and going someplace else, you know, they won't do it for, for the health of the pets, but they will do it for their bottom line. So, you know, that is a place where, you know, you can get them. And, um, you know, another thing I, I'm going to be sending up a, a little follow-up email uh, on the vaccine issue around, you know, the um, city and county rules. Cause I've had people write back and say, well, this is, you know, this is great information, but aren't, I I'm still required by my city or my County to do rabies. And yeah, they're, there are those ordinances. But again, at what point do you start pushing back and saying, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do this. It's not healthy for my pet. But also, you know, I mean, I've been practicing for 35 years, um, you know, including the time I was in school, 40 years. I've never seen a case of rabies. Never, never, ever. I never even heard about anybody having a pet with rabies. You do see these reports about it showing up here and there in the wildlife. I, uh, I question everything I hear anymore because um, I never see like, you know, that shows up on the news, but is that true? I mean, I don't right. know. Maybe, maybe it is, but I've never, ever seen it in a pet. But I have seen hundreds, maybe thousands of pets get sick because of these vaccines. So what am I going to recommend? You know, the thing that I see you know, every day making pets sick or say, maybe let's just keep your pet's immune system really healthy. And maybe this disease is not such a big deal that they're making it, making it out to be. And, and I know the, the narrative as well, we don't see it because of all these vaccines. Well, I would question that. I think if we just keep our pets healthy, keep their immune system strong, that I think they're just so much better off without the vaccines. Bottom line, I felt that for a long time. We correct their nutrition, feed them a you know fresh, species-appropriate diet, and stop poisoning them with vaccines and pharmaceuticals. Overall, our pet populations are, are going to be exponentially healthier. Well, I think the the simple um, ability to question, right? Tell me what 
are the ingredients in this vaccine? And then look at those ingredients and say, is that healthy or harmful for my dog? And no matter what somebody says, you want to do your own research, right? But what do you think is going to happen if you put aluminum, if you put uh, mercury, if you put all of these different things in a body that are not of self? What, right. what do you think will happen? And if you think nothing will happen, then there's probably nothing we can say about that. But if you think that there's a possibility that something will happen, then that will open up the door for you to search further and further and further. I will tell you that there's a lot of propaganda out there that wants you to believe that this <coughs> is healthy. And I think what what you've said and, and what all of the holistic, the true holistic vets say is you cannot put poison in the body to prevent um, a disease, right? Or let's put it another way. Putting poisons in the body to heal the body does not make sense. You're making the body sicker and expecting it to heal. Right. Yeah. Makes no, makes absolutely no sense. Like chemotherapy and cancer patients, you know, I, if you're going to poison the body, then don't expect the body to be able to heal from the cancer. Mm -hmm. They have gotten away with what they are getting away with one, because they have total immunity, right? There is no yep. liability. Number two, the vets do not want to look at it because it will affect their income, okay? And three, the ability to research has escaped human beings. My point is this, is that we are getting to the point that we don't want to have to think. And believe me, somebody else will think for you, right? right. Somebody, somebody else will think for you. And, and the people that have the ability to do research, to really look into a situation will be the ones that save themselves a lot of heartache, that save their dogs a lot of heartache. Now, whatever side you land on is whatever side you land on, you know, just because you, you, believe that a vaccine is good for your dog does not mean that your dog won't experience some adverse events, right? There's nothing. I mean, that's, that's just the truth. Whatever side you land on. People don't want to think critically and look at things. And I think this has become even more important because there is so much information out there. You have to really scrutinize the information you're getting and determine whether it's true and where it's coming from and who's putting the information out there. You know, we are so targeted. There's, you know, anytime you go on the computer and you're like researching something, you're, you know, you're being watched and they are going to, they're going to send you targeted information based on what you're you're looking into and you know and you can be swayed you know like if 10 people could sit in the same room and do a google search for the same thing and get different sets of options based on their search history so you are being sent information um based on your search history and and how they think, this is what I think is going on, how you can be most easily swayed and what direction do they want people to go. This stuff is 
going on and and you you have to be so discerning about the information you get you know listen to people that you trust i mean i have some people i follow that that i trust that i feel are speaking the truth and other stuff that i hear it's like i don't don't know about that you you have to be discriminating and you have to just think and and think critically that's the driving factor it's fear and if we can just step back from our fear a little longer until we stabilize, right? And um, not act right away. I think that we could change our dog's health and change our health, right? Um, right. But- Don't make emotional decisions ever, ever. Yeah. I mean, you know, think think through things, you know, um, get, get more information. Don't, don't, if you're going to make an important decision, then, you know, get, get some different opinions. You know, we talk about that a lot. Get, get somebody else's, you know, point of view. And like, I tell my clients, you know, and they're asking me about, you know, uh, if I say it's a new cancer patient and I'm asking them about, um, or they're asking me about, um, conventional therapies. And I don't ever recommend things like chemo, but I'll tell them you want to hear that side of the story, then go see an oncologist. You know, I mean, you have the right to get all the information and you need to feel good about the treatment. Now I would never, I don't recommend those treatments. I would never do those treatments on my own pet, but it's your pet, you know, get all the information and then, you know, make your decisions. But I think people don't, they want somebody to just make it, make their decision for them and make their life easy. And it just, it makes people so compliant. Like you were saying, that's what the powers that be want. They want a, they want a population of sheeples that are just going to do what they're, what they're told. And they've been conditioning our, our society for this for a very, very long time. You know, it's been the subliminal kind of programming, the whole idea of vaccinations, you know, um, I think they've been kind of working that into our culture now for several decades. And then as soon as the vaccine companies no longer had any liability, if, um, you know, a person or a pet gets sick from, from their vaccine, as soon as they, they have no liability, well, then they can just push as many vaccines as they want. I mean, in children, I, I mean, they get like 70 some vaccines now before their school age or something. It's just awful. And, and like the COVID shot, what they're recommending is that they get two boosters, that they get one shot and a booster initially, they get one every year until they're 18. So 20 of them, 20 of them is what they're recommending. Oh my gosh. It, it's a, it would be a great challenge for us to count how many adverse effects are listed on these commercials right? As they're telling you about a drug and then how many of those adverse events or, you know, possible side effects are there in a drug that you can count? Because what they're doing is playing the music louder. They're showing you happy, Mm -hmm. healthy people. And they're saying it, right? Because they've done their duty. Mm -hmm. They've let you know that death or a swelling tongue or, you know, you know, losing a limb is is part of it but hey you're going to be happy and 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 uh you'll be around all these beautiful people at parties i i was like let's just try to count that to be aware right if we can be aware count how many of those adverse effects uh are actually happening but you know the whole point is that and we we 
we talk about vaccines a lot because this is the industry that nobody ever pushes back or very few, right? Uh, we just assumed that they were healthy, that they were good for our pets, that they were keeping them safe. They were going to keep them here for a long time. And yet you and I and all of our team and all the holistic vets out there across the country are looking at pets and saying, what is happening? The explosion of itchies, the explosion of cancer, the explosion of skin and gut problems, right? Something is going on. And we always have to keep backing up and saying, what is the cause of this? And then when you see things like vaccine was bought and paid for by, you know, this person, yeah. then we start kind of getting the picture. But that information has, has really not come out um, until this last couple of years, I think. Really been in the face of our um, pet parents and of our human parents that have said, oh my gosh, could I have been lied to? Could I have been yeah. fooled? And the answer is absolutely. <laughs> no doubt. And you know, that's a good point. When you get this fear propaganda in your veterinarian, like when, when you hear that your dog's going to get lepto from the squirrel pee in your backyard, ask them where they got that information from. Because I can assure you, there's no research study showing that. There's no research. Is, is lepto spread in the urine? Yes, it is a kidney disease. But what are the chances of your dog actually ingesting squirrel pee in, in your backyard? I mean, come on, like, really? Um, and ask them where they get that information from. And, you know, sometimes there's just completely false information. Like I've had people come in and say, well, can't my dog get lepto from rabbit poop? Like, no, it is a kidney disease. It's only spread in the urine and it, it, you're not going to get it from, from poop, from e eating it or, you know, raw food or <laughs> any of that stuff. That probably be what's next. Oh, I get lepto from raw food. So you better get those get those vaccines in. So ask, ask your veterinarian where they get that information because a lot of it is truly just propaganda. It just takes hold or it comes in from the sales reps and the same sales rep goes to a whole bunch of vet clinics and they hear this and like, oh, that's a good sales pitch. I'll just start saying that to my clients. And they never verify if the information is even correct. And these sales reps are coming in with a script. These companies spend millions and millions, probably billions of dollars on marketing and figuring out how to sell to doctors, how to get the, the doctors to sell their products. And it doesn't mean that the information they're giving the doctors is even true. They're teaching the doctors how to scare you, the pet parent, into doing these procedures. And that's the way things are sold. That The, the doctors are not educating themselves. They're not verifying whether this information is is even correct. So start asking them, challenging them on it. Where did you find out? Is there a research study on this? Who funded that research study? If it's one of the vaccine companies, then I can guarantee you that, you know, the results are not valid. So, you know, you you have to ask, start, start prodding them a little bit. You can do it respectfully. I mean, come on, didn't you ever like, you know, challenge your parents on a rule or something? You know, like pretty sure we all did that. I mean, what? what's what's the difference you're, you're literally you are you are fighting for your pet's life and our pets they they have no choice in this they have no um 
no say so and whether they get these vaccines or not it is up to you to do what's best for them and start to push back a little bit there may be damage done that you can never undo and as long as you know that and you have the option then that's freedom right when you no longer have the option you're a slave. We're all slaves and we're all in trouble. So we have to fight for having that option. Those that want to do it, do it. Those that don't want to do it should not have to do it. And that's really what we need to fight for. Right. So we, and, we, and if you keep your pet healthy, remember your pet has an immune system. That's what it's there for. And if you properly support it, it will keep your pet healthy, even if it does get exposed to something out there. You know, that whole that whole thing gets overlooked. The fact that the body does actually know how, how to stay healthy. And I think the pets that get sick are the ones that are not on good diets. They're eating kibble diets. And, you know, I, I think too, there's a generational effect where if you, if your dog it coming is coming from generations of dogs that have been overly, overly vaccinated and fed poor quality diets, that's affected your dog's genetics. And they may not be as healthy because of that generational effect. So I think there's a lot that feeds into this that it it just doesn't get, it just doesn't get recognized. And I mean, I feel like a broken record because I say the same things over and over and over to people all the time, because I want people to, uh, to get this message, get over to ahavet.com where you can get a, a first step uh, in your pet's health by getting a second opinion. You can get that through Dr. Judy Jasek at ahavet.com. You want to make sure that you do get your dog on a species appropriate diet. Uh, no amount of kibble is good for your dog and uh, none, zero, nada. Right. And Dr. Andy, she's always talking about she has a beef with, you know, farmer's dog. And so there's these cooked, there's there's freeze dried, there's real raw. And this is the way it really started, guys. It started with real pure raw. And that's what we do. Let's get over to rawdogfoodandco.com. Get your dog on a species appropriate diet. We will help you figure it out. If you uh, need some help, just hit that I'm overwhelmed button. Come to our chat. Send us an email. Uh, Many, many ways you can get in touch with us. We will help you get your dog on a species appropriate diet because here at rawdogfoodandco.com, your pet's health is our business And friends, don't let friends feed kibble. We'll see you soon, everybody. Bye-bye. Oh, snap. Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com, where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap.